Yay! That was a good one. I like that. Oh! Hello, once again, you are listening to the second episode, season two of the Icky Procast with me, Benji, as if you uh, hadn't realised that already here in my voice. Um, if you keep in count at home, let's play a little game together today uh, with Jamie with me as well. Jamie, you can play this game before we go into it. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, mate, and it's always good to chat to you as per usual. This has become like my favourite part of the week. It really has. It's great. Aww. Yeah, it's adorable, man. We're cute. That's very adorable. Very cute, you know. You can't see this because we don't video call. We do everything by means of telephone, but doing a little love harp. The old thumbs and index fingers together. Um, The game that I wanted everyone to play at home is I've noticed when I edit the podcast, I say, you know, a lot of the times. So it's something called a junk word. Um, And... Customer services or customer-facing roles, when you go through some forms of training, uh, they tell you that junk words are the words that you go to in order to feel comfortable, just to basically get rid of any kind of silence or any kind of awkward pauses. So um, if you're playing at home and uh, you do want to get involved, please let me know how many times you've caught me saying, you know. Uh, doesn't count there. Um, you can do that by either visiting us on the internet, ekagaipro.net. If you want to email us, hello at ekagaipro.net. On Twitter, it is at ekagaipro. And on Instagram, because you people are loving our stuff that we're doing on Instagram, it's at ekagaipro. Um, on the run sheet, it said small talk, Jamie. So any small talk you want to include? Not really, mate. Uh, To be honest, this is the thing with us. A lot of the stuff that comes into the small talk is definitely things that we are going to talk about later on, which I have to say is absolutely hilarious. And I think uh, before, I guess, uh, really getting into the nitty-gritty of it, I did find it funny that one of the topics that we are going to be covering later on is literally something I was talking about the other day with one of my co-workers. So you you seem to have a sixth sense for things that I feel are going to be interesting to chat about, which is great. Um, I do love it. Well, I mean, when we talk a little bit about the content that's coming up, um, we're doing the Oscars sweepstakes. We both had similar selections as well, but I don't want to go into that. I want to leave that because then we're just spoiling uh, a whole bunch of content that's about to come up. We've had a bit of fan mail, believe it or not, though, Jamie. Wait, are you actually taking the piss? I, I... No, I'm, no, I'm not <laughs> taking the piss, you know. Um, are you familiar with Reese? From he was in a band called Bang Bang AIDS. He was also in a band called Pears. Uh, very good friends. Oh, dude, yeah, hell yeah, Reese. Reese is great, he's, man. He's Hi, Reese. He's got an absolutely brilliant podcast that I think everyone should check out. Naturally, once you finish listening to us for the week, um, Thug Mills, how good is this podcast? Yeah, Reese messaged me and uh, I was like, oh, finally, you guys have finally got a podcast on. Uh, that's the worst Australian accent in the world. So, you know, if I've lost you, Reese, I'm sorry, bro. I've lost you, you know. He said, uh, there we go. That was one, you know. He uh, really enjoyed the fact that he doesn't watch TV and bits and pieces like that. So he almost referred to us as kind of like Gogglebox, that Channel 4 show. I would hasten to say a foul-mouthed version of Gogglebox, to say the least, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> Fan mail. Um, Casey 
messaged you uh, or put up a post on Facebook as well, just regarding your article. Brilliant article as well, Jamie, might I add, just about the failed kind of video games to film adaptations as well. Um, he said that he thought that Doom was a fantastic uh, adaptation. Um, my response to that is, I love Casey, but beauty is definitely in the eye of the beholder. Thank you. Occasion. Okay. Okay. Thank you. As much as much as I love Casey, and I love Casey to bits. Uh, and for the listeners who don't know who Casey is, he plays in a fantastic band, and I will name that band because it is one of my favorite bands. And I don't even. Uh, a lot of people think because I had a close relationship with the band that is the reason why I like them. No, it is because they are fantastic. Girls pissing on girls pissing. If you get the chance, check them out. They're signed to Muzai Records, and they, uh, they are they- fucking awesome. That's so fucking awesome. They don't exist anymore. What? Yeah, no, I was going to... Yeah, sorry. Oh, man, is this... Has this become part of the small talk that I am... This is like finding out, like, what happened to Old Yeller at the end of that movie, isn't it? It really is. But he is in a new band, I believe. They're called Horrors of Clay that are definitely worth checking out. They are currently doing the, uh, well, the live circuit. That sounded very... Let me just uh, put my uh, record label industry hat on for a minute. Yes. There we go. Okay. They're currently playing the Auckland live circuit and uh, will be available for any gigs coming up. That is the best plug I've ever heard in my life. Well, we had no sponsors this week. So exactly. That was, that was the plug, you know. Yeah, and uh, my mum. Hi, oh. mum. Oh. She liked the article I wrote about uh, going to card crazy in New Zealand. We had... Randa, if you're familiar with Randa, hip-hop artist in New Mm -hmm. Zealand, they very much said that they enjoyed the articles that we put up. Uh, Luke, uh, who is a brand-new contributor, did a fantastic piece on Samurai Pizza Cats. Um, Yeah, a a lot of love. Given the fact that we don't advertise too much in anything like that, awful lot of love. And we're going to need that, love, because we've got a hell of a lot to get through tonight. And I want to preface this with uh, definitely trigger warning, but there are going to be some items that we talk about this evening that may elicit the kind of emotions or the kind of response that perhaps you weren't anticipating. So I'd be remiss not to mention a trigger warning and say that a lot of the themes today are... Not going to be pleasant, okay? We'll, we'll try and do it as best as me and Jamie can, okay? With that in mind, we will be touching upon the Ryan Adams situation that mm. occurred when we finished podcasting last week. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how the Royal Mail has cashed in on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, bad luck, Bruno Ribeiro. Um, you're not going to get shit for the dance that you said has been stolen. And then perhaps the big one is all of the drama um, that you alluded to earlier when we started recording, Jamie, um, about idols, the situation involving Sleaford Mods, Fat White Family, a lot of people, you know, uh, a lot of fans now, you know, they're they're definitely becoming a bit of a polarizing band, okay? Um, We start on a bit of a sad note. We do need to uh, pay homage or respects. We did lose three people um, three very, very different people this week. Completely. Uh, Andrea Levy, uh, she was the author of uh, Small Island. Uh, sadly, she died. Um, one that I am sure Jacob will no doubt be posting about, uh, Carl Lagerfeld, very renowned, controversial fashion designer, speaking of polarizing, uh, he was definitely one of them. Uh, and perhaps a big one for me is that Bruno Gantz, 
died. Who is Bruno Gantz, you might be wondering to yourself. Well, if you're not savvy to the memes, and this is how old I am showing my age here, that I am familiar <laughs> with this meme, um, he played Hitler in the fantastic movie Downfall, which then spurred on to countless memes, you know, with... Uh, basically the subtitles underneath demonstrating a wide range of other things that Hitler uh, lost his temper about, okay? Uh, so uh, uh, very sad that those people have left uh, this mortal coil, uh, and I just think it, you know, starting on a bit of a bummer and then ending up in even more a bit of a bummer. Uh, what was yeah. your favourite downfall meme uh, in, in homage to Bruno Gantz. That's actually, I, I love the segue you put there, and I, I definitely agree. It has been a bit of a strange week in terms of obituaries and deaths, and yeah, Bruno Gantz was definitely one of the ones that I definitely took notice of. But um, in terms of memes, I have to say, oh, it's a tough one. It is a real tough one. Of course, uh, easily one of the best ones, I believe, is uh, when, obviously, Hitler is enraged by the fact that... Uh, Sony has then decided to start charging uh, for their online service, saying, why would you end up listening to what Microsoft have to say? They're an absolutely terrible company who just like to basically steal and pillage from everyone. I thought that was one of the finest ones. And I do have to say, um, how, how do you think, like, because personally for me, I think Bruno Gantz obviously had the finest and classiest performance in regards to playing such a polarizing, obviously, individual in history, uh, yet... Yeah, do you think that was possibly one of his like most proudest moments in film? Because I personally think, I know as mu- as disgusting as it must be for someone to say, I think he did a fantastic performance, and I think it was a performance you should be proud of. Yeah, obviously uh, it's a hard uh, one. Uh, uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, you can't turn around and say, "Man, that guy did such a good job playing Hitler." <laughs> I almost felt sorry for him. Yeah. But, Going back to last week's podcast, you know, when we talked about the whole Ted Bundy thing and reconciling that, you yeah. know, someone can play a character, a very compelling character, you know, and, and that character can still be a piece of shit. Yeah. And history will go down to demonstrate that Hitler, perhaps one of the biggest pieces of shits, um, come at me, alt rights come at me very hard because I stand by that, you know. Um, yeah, I think... It was a watershed role for Bruno Gantz, but I don't even think he anticipated himself uh, just how big of a meme um, his performance in Downfall uh, would become. So, look, very sad day uh, in the yeah, realm of, of entertainment. Um, speaking of pieces of shit, I think it's oh, we yeah. lead off with this one, and again, this is where the trigger warning comes into play. Um, we do have to talk about the allegations that have come out regarding Ryan Adams. Are they allegations when someone like Mandy Moore has come out and professed uh, the basically countless amounts of kind of psychological abuse, harassment, verbal abuse. This all stems from a New York Times article. I am borrowing liberally from The Guardian's write-up about it as well. Uh, Ryan Adams has basically been accused of allegations with a young female fan. She said she had an online relationship with the singer when she was 15 and 16. It included, quote, graphic texting, a video call in which Adams exposed himself during phone sex. Um, countless stories are coming out now about how he would just be absolutely bloody minded towards female musicians, including Mandy Moore, who came out and said that while they were married, 
Ryan Evans would always say to her, you're not a real musician because you don't play an instrument. Now, this is all blown over, Jamie, into the fact that, yet again, it's demonstrating that there is a very, very strong male slant in the music industry. Um, and I would be really, really, really lying if I didn't turn around and, and it said, this is not fucking new. Yeah, and, completely. And, and the, I, the sad thing... I find about reading all of this, you know, is I'm surprised that I'm not surprised. Uh, And that's very, very kind of sad, you know, that I read all of this about Ryan Adams uh, at the time. And I went, oh, well, you know, fucking hell, he he looked the type, which is which is harsh to begin with. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. I know it's true. And I was never really a big Ryan Adams fan, but, you know, it was always kind of like, rallying for the cause and doing all of these things and it was almost kind of like butter wouldn't melt on his mouth and you know he's so progressive and so aspirational and rah rah fucking rah you know um yeah i think that's one of the things just quickly jumping in sorry i think one of the things that really frustrates me uh with the music industry in particular with these sorts of allegations is everyone who comes to his defense being like ryan adams is the indie alternative sweetheart and it's like why is there only the assumption that this sort of like sexual harassment and sexual allegations come from uh, managers and people in power or people who uh, I noticed the one main, uh, I guess, uh, genre that seems to get attacked quite frequently is hip hop and R&B and rap as being this breeding ground for sexual harassment. Indie, indie bloody kids who wear like paisley shirts do it too. Those just as much of a bigger dicks than those guys who are rapping on beats. Like, come on. You know, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, it pisses I, me I, off. I don't think that the systematic male abuse, and I, I and I use abuse as an all encroaching term. It can be psychological and be demeaning. Hmm. Could be, you know, I, I mean, like I'm probably gonna commit career suicide when I say this, you know. But in New Zealand, there oh, is God. still that kind of oh, girls playing instruments. Oh, that that's kind of weird. What a selling point. Yeah. Fuck no, that shouldn't be a selling point, you know. And I think that if a if a female musician wants to bring her her gender and her femininity, if that is a word, I apologize. I'm intimate, that then that's fine. But it, completely it, it, it just sometimes it felt like Oh, it feels still sometimes that kind of like if you get a female musician that is doing a different type of music that is not something a female musician would normally do, uh, like, you know, hardcore, you know, Gabba Techno or, you know, horrorcore rap stuff like you know, they, they are viewed as kind of like not only an anomaly for doing it, but then also, if you, you know, forgive me for saying this, I have no agency to do this whatsoever, but I'm just speaking from experience. It's almost treated like a fucking traveling sideshow yeah. because of it. Now, mm. now, just going back to the point I had with Ryan Adams and, and what he did, you know, he's come out and he said, basically, oh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically said that these claims are unsubstantiated. He then took to Twitter and did like an apologetic piece. I'm only human and stuff like that. I'm only human as well, Ryan, but I fucking know for a fact about, you know, coercing a girl because of your, you know, position in the music industry 
under the age of consent, might I add, you know, and doing you know all sorts of things, and and it's just awful, man, you know. And I'm jumping to conclusions because is there proof? Where is the proof? But if the New York Times are reporting on something, Jamie, there is no smoke without fire. And oh, completely. And then once again, it just demonstrates that you know, for all the fucking good that we try and do for you know to to have equality you know to treat musicians as musicians regardless of like gender or non-specific gender some fucking asshole like ryan adam comes out and it's like yeah here, here we go again you know and will it stop i don't think it will i just think it's being grandfathered into the industry sadly dude yeah and i think one of the good things and uh, i know a lot of people would probably disagree with us um because yeah well actually no i think people will agree with us i think the one good thing that we are seeing now is people aren't taking this shit anymore and i think the one thing is uh triggering as it is for a lot of people to see these stories and the very very graphic nature of some of these stories that are coming out about a variety of musicians and the documentaries like geez just look at the r kelly one that came out recently i think the one good thing that is coming about from this is awareness people are starting to realize we don't have to take this shit anymore we don't have to just pretend to be quiet these people do not have the power over us uh, that they think they have and it's evident even with uh, like you said like moore's comments about the fact that even when they were in a relationship he was extremely controlling and abusive and that's what these people get off on they think because they have the supposed control, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They can't, and they're not going to get away with it for much longer, I hope. But I think you're right. It is kind of grandfathered in, and maybe it will stick around for a wee while until, yeah, generations in the future, hopefully, just don't put up with it anymore. No, because it's been endemic. And, you know, yeah. if if Hollywood and the silver screen are, are starting to move away from that, and, and if, you know, you're getting a lot more, you know, at, there's going to be people there that, listening to this perhaps that will end up going oh well fucking hell benji you know like uh you've got no agency talking uh, on behalf of, of of you know the other gender no one needs you white knighting and stuff like yeah, that yeah. but you know when you when you've been around female musicians you know and you've you just see the kind of fucking stupid shit that goes on you know like fucking Guys going up to girls, you know, at all ages shows, for example, like, oh, you look cold. Let me give you my jacket. Like, don't be a fucking creep, I you think, know. Yeah, and and that, and you know, with 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 people in power, like, oh well, you know, if you want to end up releasing, uh, we, I can release it, and using that kind of like the lore of. Uh, oh, the kind of links and yeah. contacts you've got because of your position of power. Um, in order to, to curry favor, I, I don't know. It's just, it's fucking awful that it goes on, man. And it really upsets me. It puts me off doing record label stuff, putting that hat back on. Um, and, you know, hey, Ryan Adams, if you think Mandy Moore is not much of a musician because she doesn't play an instrument, well, to be honest with you, you're not much of a fucking man by controlling girls and demeaning them in the way that you did. End of. Um, shall we move on to something oh, more mate. pleasant? Yeah, possibly. I think, I think that might be a better move, yeah, definitely. Um, how about we talk about the fact that Bruno Ribeiro, uh, according to the US uh, Copyright Office, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, now. it is. Yeah, U.S. Copyright Office. Sorry, guys and girls, I had to quickly jump into that. Or everyone, should I say, not to use gender pronouns? Yes. Um, Rebiero 
He played Carlton Banks. If Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that already. He accused both Take-Two Interactive, who produced a fantastic NBA 2K series, and he also accused the creators of Fortnite of stealing a dance move, the Carlton dance, which he himself believes that, you know, by rights he should be paid some sort of monetary fee because people are profiting off it. Well, he's been told that he can no longer or he couldn't copyright the Carlton dance as performed in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, it was found that a simple dance routine, rather than the work of choreography, um, cannot be copyrighted. So, bad luck. Quite impressive in the fact that I, I do I do kind of give him credit in the fact that he actually attempted to, uh, I guess, capitalise on, I guess, the nostalgia that he brought to many a people. And to be honest, I would have actually quite laughed at the fact if he managed to uh, actually get anything out of the team behind Fortnite, considering, uh, let's be real, as, as great as Fortnite is in terms of bringing people together and obviously appealing to a wide range of different uh, ages and obviously, uh, like we said before, genders and things like that, um, it's, it's, ah, uh, fuck. I just kind of hoped he would get some sort of monetary value out of Fortnite because fucking hell, they rip off a lot of people through their game. It seems like the biggest cash cow ever. Like, seriously, it seems like the kind of thing, um, you know how people talk about, um, pester power with kids in regards to, like, advertising toys and things like that? I feel like Fortnite is the new version of that. Like, mum, I want to buy this new dance move on fucking Fortnite or mum, I want to buy this new skin that, uh, is probably only going to last for one more year. Fortnite's going to absolutely absolutely collapse and then there'll be a new game that will take over i think it's quite um scary really fortnite i don't know that, i don't know about you that, man what, what how, what's your thoughts on fortnite i don't i tried fortnite once or twice my mate tom draper told me oh yeah you know you know what lad you should check out fortnite it's free and that's not free because anything that involves microtransactions which is apparently the future of creating fuck oh, off future of making money these days you know um no nah, fucking i don't uh, the NBA games, you know, uh, uh, brilliant. I mean, I, I personally, I thought that Bruno Ribeiro had no chance of of gaining anything, you know, because it is just, it's a dance that's been co-opted and changed around so often. It is called the Carlton dance, but you know, if only now is he trying to to profit off it when it's been years and years and years you know decades since the fresh prince and has always consistently been part of the kind of like pop culture vernacular you know it's either it was either the macarena or the carlton dance in the 90s you know one, yeah, one or the other uh i feel like then, a bastard as well for calling you out alfonso mate bruno Ribeiro is the old portuguese football manager fucking hell really <laughs> And that's how much I don't give a shit oh, about mate. that, you know? Alfonso, mate, that's, that's okay. What happens. That's I what still ha love you. What? Bruno Ribeiro? Hold on, did he play for Leeds? Uh, I or think I, I think he possibly did play for West Ham or Leeds. Yeah, he was. No, he... I know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Hugo <laughs> Porfirio played for West, Un <laughs> West Ham United, you know? Oh, shit, I love you, mate. Shit, I'm I not editing you. that out. No, I've, leave I've it in. Please Alfonso, leave it in. Alfonso, Alfonso Ribeiro. He did play for Leeds, mate. How the hell did you know that? Because right. I'm in Leeds, man. It's been doctored in since I moved over here. Um, so, yeah, Alfonso <laughs> Ribeiro um, is not making any money. Uh, and Bruno Ribeiro probably, probably just got 15 minutes of fame because of that. Uh, lastly, Royal Mail. Now, I thought that they were going to cash in on the Marvel Cinematic Universe buzz because, uh, according to BBC News Round, uh, they're 
Royal Mail have decided to release a series of stamps to celebrate the iconic comic book superheroes. Now, they lead with Captain Marvel, and I don't blame them because Captain Marvel's about to come out, so relevant, plus 10. I honestly thought it was a cash grab, Jamie. It still is because comics are the hot thing at the moment. But hats off to the Royal Mail because I'm looking at some of these stamps now, and you've got Spider-Man, you've got Iron Man, you've got Captain Marvel, you've got Thor, you've got Hulk, Doctor Strange, uh, Black Panther, Peggy Carter. Uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, there was a TV series based around Peggy Carter. But then they've included Captain Britain and Union Jack. As I just have to ask, because this this is totally going to show how much uh, of a pleb I am. Who the hell is Captain Britain? Do you do uh, you know of Captain Britain? Are, are you a fan of Captain Britain? Was Captain Britain a big comic in the UK? Or? Right. So, I mean, bear in mind, Jamie, I was living in New Zealand at the time when Captain Britain was a thing. But if I remember correctly, Marvel had Marvel UK, which was specific to UK uh, writers and illustrators doing UK-centric kind of things. At, at one point, I think they were trying to rival 2000 AD. Please check that I've got that right, because Bruno Ribeiro, Alfonso Ribeiro, is haunting me now. Um, <laughs> and so Captain Britain and Union Jack were were part of that Marvel UK uh, thing. Uh, in all honesty, I think that Captain Britain ended up in the United States, Avengers West Coast or, or something like that. Um, does it still feel like a bit of a cash grab cashing in on the popularity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, despite the fact they've got Captain Britain and Union Jack, which just seems like, you know, a, a form of like, oh, we better include some British characters. Um, <laughs> what do you reckon, man? It's a tough one. I, I probably, of course, Royal Mail are going to make a buck or two off, um, off these. And I think it's going to be one of those things as well that obviously excites any sort of stamp collector, not to say that I am one of those people, uh, but I do know people that are stamp collectors. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's kind of cool that they are, I guess, acknowledging maybe a few of the more obscure characters that did come from Marvel UK, like you said. It is pretty interesting. Maybe some of the more blatantly obvious ones, like, like you said before as well. Uh, but... I don't necessarily see anything bad with it. Like, haven't uh, Royal Mail before released stamps for things like Wallace and Gromit and many other iconic sort of brands that have come through uh, the media ages? No, they like, definitely have. They definitely like have. New Zealand did Lord of the Rings. Now, that was a blatant cash grab, and they've done that for almost every possible avenue they could, including the Air New Zealand safety videos, which drive me insane every time I have to watch them. But... You know, I, I think it's kind of cool. I always well, give like a tip of the hatch, a tip of the beanie uh, in my case, which I always wear. But, yeah, no, it's. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. Well, Canada had a series of Jim Carrey stamps. What? Yeah, Jim no, Carrey no. stamps? How far can yeah. you go with that? Like, what characters are we talking? Because he had some pretty dark oh, characters. Oh, come on. You're like, I, the Mask? Uh, Ace Ventura, Stanley Ipkiss. The Riddler? The the red I oh, know I don't think they could do the red oh. because that's a DC license, isn't it? Of course, yep. But they had liar liar, mm. Bruce Almighty. I don't know if they had the cable guy or not because that uh, would have been when brilliant. You, when you said, oh, you know, he did a bit of dark stuff, like you know, the ca I don't think the cable guy. I love the cable guy. I as think well, it's one of his older. best films. I honestly I, reckon it is. I do, and I think Ben Stiller uh, was fantastic 
direct in that as well. Um, didn't that get so, yeah. slammed as well? Like just just uh, totally an offsite. But oh, um, well, didn't didn't that know. film get absolutely slammed by critics who said like it was a nonsensical film that didn't make any sense? Uh, that uh, it just seemed to have too many cultural references dusted in it. But I thought that was the whole point of it, and the fact that people were like. Has Jim Carrey in it, but it's not funny. That was kind of the whole point. It was actually more humorous than the fact that he was almost completely insane in the film. It was great. Uh, I'm just looking at the reviews here. Um, there are some truly crazy scenes here. The battle scene between Stephen and Chip in medieval times is hilarious, as is the karaoke scene. That was from Heather Bomer, Common Sense Media. Neil Jeffries from The Empire wrote, <laughs> The mix of light comedy and really quite dark themes proved too much for many viewers, but this is worth a look for Broderick's performance and Carrie's obsessive touches. Thank you. There we go. I yeah, there you go. And and who are we to fuck with the Empire? To be honest with you, man, who are yeah. we to mess about with that? Um, I think just to just to tie it the loose end, just regarding the, this Jim Carrey conversation, I think that a lot of the arguments were that he did kind of like oh, he did family friendly, like nice movies, which I call no 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 no. The Mask wasn't oh. really a family friendly movie. I mean, compared to the comic books that Dark Horse did. And the comic books were incredibly dark, might I add, you know. Oh, like, yeah. uh, uh, but still, you know, the the mask, the movie, uh, I wouldn't say it was family friendly. It was one of those kind of movies where if you're like a an older kind of child, you'd be into it, you know. I wouldn't say it's like to the level of like Pixar or, or any of the other kind of like cotton candy fluff things that are out. Um, but yeah, apparently the argument, I think part of that might also be a little bit of fatigue. Yeah. Kerry, he was everywhere, but hey, it's the 90s, you know, and oh, it was yeah. indulgent. Um, I also think the fact that maybe people were not happy with um, the amount of money he got. I think he was the first actor um, to earn over a million for a movie role. I think a lot of people were pretty upset about that as well, you know, which in New Zealand we call tall poppies, don't we, Jamie? But of course. I think... It's aged incredibly well, especially when you look at the people that were involved in it, like Jim Carrey aside, Matthew Broderick. Um, I'm not a big Matthew Broderick fan. I'm not going to mention why on the podcast, but never oh, mind. God. Oh, God. Uh, I know yeah. what you're going to reference. And, oh, please, do, please don't. Look up on Wikipedia about what happened to him in Ireland. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> thank um, you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. As much as I love him as well, Lion King. Oh, brilliant film. Most people had, don't. And yep. then you had you had all of you know the Ben Stiller show kind of crew involved yeah. as well. You had Jack Black. You had I'm sure David Cross was in there somewhere. Uh, you know you had the Mister Show guys, which you know um, his name's escaped me now. But David just, Cross. I I do want to say going back to the the Matthew Broderick thing. I love how people have just forgotten that happened. Like everyone's just like. Oh, we're still going to cast them in these family-friendly movies, but people just seem to have, like, brushed that under the carpet, you know? Like, Matthew yeah, Broderick's yeah. still the guy that we kind of love because, you know, he's got that young face that, you know, he's a spunky guy. It's like, he, oh, he God. A, he made a mistake, and it would be selfish of me to say that, you know. That's one oh, way of putting it, Benji, but, yeah, fair play. Yeah, the fa <laughs> families forgive him and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. I'm not going into it. I'll let people come up to their own conclusions about Definitely. that but just for pure shock value or 
being an edge lord, as it were. I just wanted to bring it up. Um, but that is everything in the news. Uh, if you've got any opinions, any thoughts, anything like that, uh, please, please feel free uh, either to leave a comment uh, on the website or just, you know, all the usual kind of facilities in order to get into contact with us. We're going to take a, a quick break, but when we return, we'll be getting stuck into our main points of interest for today's podcast. So stick around. Today's podcast is brought to you by Muzai Records. That's Muzai Records. Hey, you've been going for 10 years. Shouldn't you be dead by now? Visit Muzai Records online at muzairecords.com. Oh, hey, why don't you jump onto Facebook? Apparently, they've got a pretty good group there. I heard the guy that runs Muzai Records is a real dreamboat as well. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that musical interlude. I know I did. How about you, Jamie? I was loving it, mate. Was okay. there an interlude? Yeah, there probably was. Yeah, it's probably just... <laughs> I'll probably just end up going... Or humming a song, you know. Just that we can't have any music on this because certain regulations with certain podcasting hosts... Uh, we can't do it because we don't have the license for it. Yeah, but terrible. thanks to Maeve Monroe, we've got an absolutely blinding uh, intro song. But that's never going to get released because it gets released. Then we got to pay a license to use that. So the title was, I think, probably one of the other things that I think might be holding it back. But in the same respect, I think it should be brought to the full light. Glitter uh, No, no, no. Ah, oh, you did it. Uh, much in the same way that we weren't going to mention about Matthew Broderick, you've mentioned it now. Yeah. No, uh, just bleep it out, man. Just bleep it out. Oh, uh, yeah. If I can remember to bleep it out, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> uh, Anywho, uh, our main topic this week, uh, idols, everyone's favorite, well, new favorite, should I say, woke punk act idols have undoubtedly become the musicians du jour with their energetic performances and lyrics taking on toxic masculinity, uh, being working class, just generally a heap of social consciousness. In the past week, though, Sleaford Mods frontman Jason Williams accused the group of class appropriation, faking their working class sensibilities, and that their take on politics is, quote, cliched, patronizing, insulting, and mediocre. That was a Q&A, I believe, with The Guardian when he made mention of that. Uh, Sleaford Mods have seen support come from a variety of other music listeners, and even more recently from Fat White Family, who joined in the criticism saying that they are 100% behind Jason Williams, and in a post on Facebook said, and I quote this verbatim, Jamie, the last thing our increasingly puritanical culture needs right now is a bunch of self-neutering middle-class boobs telling us to be nice to immigrants. You might call that art. I call it sen- sententious pedantry. Wow. They also took aim at Sleaford Mods, however, asking how many times they can talk about, quote, shit wages and kebabs. That's a fair point. So are Sleaford Mods, Fat White Family, and a host of other music listeners right do artists have agency to discuss these social and gender issues in their music? Should someone's politics be aired through the medium of song? Or should we just shut up and not talk about matters that do not directly affect ourselves by that? Should Billy Bragg maybe have talked more about chip shops instead of the austeric nature of the Tory government in his day? Would Rage Against the Machine have had a career had it not been for the political hypocrisy they felt took place? And I stress this, in their opinion... Jamie, I know you've got a lot to say about this, and so do I. So I just want to throw the floor at whatever 
all the way over to you because I know you've been jonesing for oh, this mate. bit. I, I feel glad that you've passed off the talking stick to me because honestly, this is something. Uh, I oh man, it, it's been frustrating uh, trying to withhold myself to talk about this too much uh, before coming on here because me and my colleague uh, at work uh, were discussing this not only yesterday but today as well. Uh, just uh, first comments, obviously, sleeper mods uh, in particular, um, Jason Williamson. Uh, what a fucking prick. Like, honestly, like, I just don't really understand the, where he got the audacity to feel like he could just say, yeah, because you're middle class, um, don't fucking talk about anything worthwhile because um, you guys have no position to talk about it. Um, why the fuck not? I, I, I think any band or any musician or writer uh, should have the ability to talk about issues that are possibly difficult or, um, in this case, to, in discussion about immigrants. Um I don't see why they shouldn't be allowed to discuss it. Yeah, I know some people would probably take aim at that, and yes, feel free to take aim at the white guy, obviously, talking about these sorts of things, but I honestly feel like the issues that idols do cover in a lot of their music is very poignant, it's very relevant to now, and I don't honestly see any problem with it, and I think Sleaford Mods are probably just taking aim at the band because they're getting quite big at the moment, and that is personally my opinion, and it does kind of feel like I'm going down that route of what your mum tells you when someone says they don't like you, it's like they're just jealous, but... Um, I honestly think it's bullshit. And Fat White Family, um, I think, are just being edgelords and really just using this as a way to promote their upcoming UK and Europe tour. I said it, I did say it, and fuck, Fat White Family, you guys suck dick. No, I'm kidding, you guys are actually really awesome and I really love them. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, mate, because I'm sure you have an interesting take on this as well. No, that's about it. Good night, everyone. Take care. God bless. Give us three rings to let you know you'll get back safely, okay? (laughs) Kakite Arnold, yeah. Kakite Arnold, goodbye. No, um, right. I've got a lot to wade through regarding this. <laughs> I get, I get the jealousy kind of aspect that everyone's saying about Jason Williams. Uh, it must be hard. The fact that Sleaford Mods, um, maybe made their career. You know, I'm trying to be very tactful here and and talking about kind of the the problems that every everyday people have you know they did a song called job center which i which i found fantastic when he guested with the prodigy you know they were talking about ibiza and uh, these are things that are, are very commonplace you know that very much strike a nerve with you know the the kind of audience that he's going for you know and it's it's him using his own experiences and what he feels are his own injustices um and, and forms of lyrical content. Uh, and, and with Idols, I'm not the biggest Idols fan. What? To be completely honest with you. Yeah, no, I'm not. How, I'm not. how were you not? Uh, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this because that, that's just making assumptions that everyone should like this band because I do think they're fucking fantastic. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually intrigued as to why you're not a huge fan. I'm, I'm not attacking you, mate. I'm not attacking you. No, 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 no. I know you're not attacking me. There's going to be a Facebook group, you know, the... Um, <laughs> All is love. Idols AF group are probably gonna tear me apart and dox me for what I'm gonna say. Oh, completely. Um, I I don't know. It's I don't dislike them by any means, but I just at the same time I listen to them and go, yeah, you know, I'm, I, 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 that's good. But I just want to go back and listen to Raw Power by the Stooges. You know, and that's just okay. me. All I right. Mean, I think that you know their lyrical content. I'm gonna get to that. You know, musically though, it's. Uh, it's not i like it but i don't love it 
if that makes sense, which it should, because there's a hell of a difference between like and love. Um, Completely. I think what they're doing, which is telling men it's all right to cry, you know, and when it's taken on the idea of like, you know, toxic masculinity, which people uh, sometimes don't know well, what is toxic masculinity? And it's not that all masculinity is toxic by any means, you know, it's talking about those moments in masculinity that are viewed as toxic, like being told to harden up, not discussing about your depression, you know, having a problem with like, you know, transgender and intersex and, and all of these kind of things where, again, we've, we've used the word grandfathering quite a few times during this podcast, but yeah. it has almost been grandfathered in that if you've got a problem, you just knuckle down your graft, you know, um, which is, which is, as we know now, completely bullshit. Are they doing it as a means of this in this current climate, these are hot topics, and therefore, if they are going to be a band singing about these aspects because they are topical at this point in time, again, you know, the the worst part of kind of like that word woke, you know, as an advertising term, wokeonomics and stuff like that. I don't know, and I think that's where maybe Jason Williams. Uh, has takes umbrage with because in his mind he's experienced the things that he is talking about i don't think he feels that you know as a group idols have experienced some of the things that they're talking about which i can appreciate what he's saying there if someone has co-opted experiences just in the sense of kind of like selling and making things uh, not palatable that's not the best word for it but in order of using all this social consciousness using all this kind of like the spirit of woke and call out culture using that as a means to facilitate propelling themselves as a gimmick then yeah i understand he's being pissed off but then i've never met idols as people i've never walked in a mile in their shoes or anything like that you know, I think the themes they're talking about regarding toxic masculinity, I think nearly every male walking, every male in Western civilization, you know, I think has, has been, uh, has been brought up or my generation, certainly perhaps your generation, you know, uh, yeah. millennials and beyond have been told, this is how you have to act. If you're a male, this is what being a male is all about. Um, yeah. No, I actually, politics, I actually see politics, what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I I think that there's a general fatigue regarding idols as a band, which is unfair. I think if people are calling them out just because they don't like the band, they're bored of the band, they're getting fed up of the band, there's just kind of like it's too much, they're 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 everywhere, they're ubiquitous, you know, and they're using this idea of class appropriation. And, you know, their political stance as a means of, yeah, I'm going to tear them down. Then they're just as fucking bad as the allegations that Jason Williams has taken. You know, they themselves, yeah. if they don't like a band because the band's become too popular, 
don't attack that band fundamentally on their kind of socio-political aspects just because you are bored of that band, you know? Yeah, actually, um, what you're saying there, because I think uh, maybe I just took it from a different perspective when I first started discussing this with people, is yeah. I don't know why, but I kind of assumed this was one of those like bullshit things like uh, the Blur Oasis rivalry. Like, it's just two bands taking pot shots at each other. Obviously, Idols hasn't retorted in much sense. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I assumed that uh, this was the case. Uh, but yeah, I actually know I am kind of starting to see your point of view now, your perspective on this, because yeah, there's nothing more frustrating. And this com- is coming from personal opinion. This isn't like anything uh, that should be taken uh, like extremely like I don't know as uh, preach. Uh, but the thing is, yeah, there's nothing more fucking frustrating than someone who is obviously in uh, uh, a more I guess, richer position, I know that's probably a terrible way of putting it, but someone who has comes from a lot more money than yourself uh, discussing all these luxurious things and saying that they're so hard done by when in actuality they haven't had to work for anything. And I can definitely uh, relate to that myself personally, having dealt with people that have, um, I guess, um, talk to me in that sort of manner, and it's almost uh, condescending, and it can be demanding. So, in that sense, yeah. maybe I am, I'm, maybe I can kind of agree with Jason Williamson. There's nothing worse than someone it's, saying I'm fucking poor when in actuality they're fucking rich and they haven't had to do anything for it. Like that is the most uh, fucking annoying thing ever. It's disingenuous, you know. And that's yeah, completely. Why I think there has to be a sense of gravitas when it comes to this concept that idols have appropriated the yeah. working class because not you know. I, if they were born into money, uh, fair enough, you know, they've been given mm. a distinct advantage over other people. But the difference is that what idols are doing are bringing to light um, the problematic nature. Um, and, and for a punk band to do that as well is incredible because the punk scene can be seen as quite misogynistic at times. Definitely. That, you know, that kind of fucking harden up, mate, just have like a can of VB and like chill out, you know. Yeah. Um, I I was talking to uh, Maeve, uh, my wife, my lovely wife, about this. It brings up my kind of uh, discussion about the differences between the Sex Pistols and the Clash. Actually, so, yeah, that was the other thing. Like, and I know what you're going to touch on, so I'm going to let you go for it because, yeah, I I have a feeling I know where this is going. Okay, so I mean, if you look at Sleaford Mods and you look at Idols in a mm. similar vein, that I kind of view the Sex Pistols and the Clash and their ideologies. Okay, now with the Clash and the Sex Pistols, they were both talking about similar kind of traits. You know, mm. fucking monarchy's wrong, racism, ridiculous. You know, um, uh, that there's a there was a culture war back then. There's always going to be a culture war, Jamie. It's just it's quite loud and quite evident because we're older now. We're a bit more responsive to it, but that's by the by. Um, and with The Clash, The Clash's idea was very kind of like strong affirmative action. Like, yeah, things are pretty messed up and, you know, we need to fight, you know, because if we all band together and fight for this, then oh, brilliant. We can go and we can achieve things, you know, let's do something about it. And the take I got from the Sex Pistols was more of a case of this is how things are, so fuck it. Why are we worried about things, you know? And it was like nihilism versus kind of like, you know, uh, uh, the optimistic righteous fight, you know? Can now you, let's 
Yeah, I was also going to touch on the fact, do you also see it as well as also the very uh, ethos of punk itself is this whole working class um, background that a lot of people obviously have. I know it's not the norm now, but back in the day, obviously, when punk was first uh, becoming a more popularised genre, a lot of people that were a part of the scene were people from the working class background, lower class backgrounds, or yeah, those lower echelons of class. Uh, do you think this may actually be playing a part of it as well? The fact that there is still I mean, this like uh, thing. Jamie, that, yeah, uh, that that basically then buys into the idea that idols are a whole bunch of middle class people yeah. that are co opting the struggles of a working class and making money from it. Which is, you know, if we're talking about appropriation in the sense of like, well, cultural appropriation is basically borrowing from other cultures yeah. and not. You know, like not being part of that culture, and uh, I, I could be completely wrong, but these fucking terms change so so often. It's hard oh, to completely. keep up sometimes. But you know, I always thought that cultural appropriation was kind of like borrowing from another culture, making tons of money off it, and not giving that culture, um, you know, the credit or the kudos it deserves. You know, it's mm. white people walking around in Indian headdresses, not realizing the cultural significance of a headdress, but yet companies making a shit ton of money off it. Yeah. Any of that money going towards, you know, the Native Americans? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to hazard a guess. Probably not. Uh, in terms of a class appropriation, if uh, if it does turn out that idols are a bunch of middle class individuals <laughs> that are talking about problems such as, you know, oh, shit kebabs and, you know, kind of like the difficulty it is, you know, <laughs> with wages and stuff like that, basically borrowing, you know, Sleaford Mods kind of shtick. Um, it's a form of appropriation, but again, it is it, it by not, genre. I know, I know. In terms of in terms of the lyrical content, yes, but um, I was meaning in the sense of like genre because I know there is quite well, no, a, a gatekeepers of punk who are like punk can only be played by people uh, who are from these uh, oppressed parts of society. Punk yeah, can't and be again, played. that's why it's, punk uh, is very misogynistic because exactly, a lot of people yeah, yeah. will tell you that punk is still kind of like girls playing punk. Well, I guess so. That's weird though, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. good on them. That's, that's what I mean. Do you think it's a mix of also like, like, because I do agree there maybe there is, well, not maybe, I think there could be elements of class appropriation in Idol's music, but do you think it's also a mix of also, yeah, this, um, the gatekeepers of the genre in a similar sense to people being like, only certain uh, groups of society can do hip hop and like other, like, I guess, genres. Do you think punk is maybe going through this sort of oh, uh, resurgence? Right. And I and I know this is a hard <laughs> one and feel no, free. It is, but it's it's going to lead down a, a, an incredibly big rabbit wall that perhaps we we should look at doing another podcast about yeah, which is when does multiculturalism become cultural appropriation when is multi when is cultural appropriation oh, completely multiculturalism you know we we grew up in the 90s being told that multiculturalism is this great big melting pot where we all share ideas cultures beliefs and everything like that yeah and then like you know, 20 years later we're being told that those aspects of borrowing and paying homage could be considered or construed yeah. or misconstrued as a form of cultural appropriation De- you know definitely and one with to talking about yeah i think that in terms of kind of you have to be of a certain ilk that's ridiculous you know you have to earn a certain wage if you're a real punk musician it's it's bullshit you know yeah because then what about like those bigger kind of punk acts you know when rancid blew up were rancid less of a punk band because you know an outcome the wolves came and, and blew up 
did Green Day become less of a punk band when they released American Idiot, you know? And mm. a lot of people will be like, yes, they did, but I completely disagree, you know? And it's almost like the starting of, I guess, the punk movement was a bunch of bloody uh, working-class white dudes, is that to say also that uh, people from the African-American community or other communities uh, cannot be involved in punk? Of course they can, because well, fucking well, hell, a lot of good bands, like Bad Brains and uh, many other punk Bad bands. Bad Brains and Living Colour. Yes, thank you, you know, thank you. All sorts, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we only named two, but there's a lot more out there, you know. Yeah. Um, but just with regards to, I mean, I don't want to talk about Fat White Family, because I think you're right. I think, <laughs> I it's, think a it's a post-take. Let's jump on board and kind of, you know. Promote our tour. We don't need middle-class boobs telling us to be nice to immigrants. Yes, we fucking do. do. Yes. You might call that art. I call it sententious pedantry. I, I don't. I think if, if idols have a message, regardless if they're middle-class or working-class, okay, then I think if it's a pertinent message that is making people think, oh, yeah, maybe I should be nice to immigrants, you know, Fucking well done, but very depressing that you need a band to tell you about. Oh yeah, completely. Being a decent human being, you know. Now, if they're talking about things that Jason, because Jason Williams is from, if I remember, uh, either Grantham or Sleaford. Um, I when I lived in the UK, the second, well, when I came back to the UK after theatre in Mount Roskill, I lived in Newark, which was near Grantham and Sleaford. They're fucking depressing, man. So I do genuinely believe that the struggles that Jason Williams went through, like with the job centre, awful kebabs, you know, trying to find a drug dealer in, in Nottingham, you know, they're all pertinent. But I don't think that he should take away from, you know, the kind of messages that idols have. You know, and going back mm. to that clash sex pistols kind of, you know, comparison and ideology, you know, they're both they're both talking about similar issues. You know, I think idols more so about, you know, social issues and stuff like that, rather than kind of like, you know, political working class issues. Again, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a big lyrics kind of guy, but, you know, that that's from everyone's shouting at me about check out idols you know that's that's what i gathered you know yeah completely i get the impression though that with sleaford mods it's like oh well this is what's happening you know i'm a guy i walk around you know and i went to the job center they told me that they cut off my benefit and then i went and i got a pizza but they put pineapple on the pizza fucking disgraceful fucking hate pineapple (laughs) on a fucking pizza i'm just a regular british guy you know i like fucking pack of 10 cigarettes and they took fucking that off me you know (laughs) <laughs> fuck it there's there's nothing we can do about it so fuck it i'm just pissed off about it yeah <laughs> we can do something about it and i think that's why there's nothing not wrong with that against idols you yeah. know look at the facebook group there's guys coming out and saying i've i've been really depressed i'm four years of age and then i heard you know i listened to idols and it made me realize that Ah, uh, you know, like I, it's all right to cry. It is all right to open up. I can let my defenses down, you know. So with if Sleaford mods is the nihilistic, this is all going down. Ah, uh, fuck it. There's not a lot we can do, but you know, be piss and moan about it. At least with idols, they're turning around and saying these are the problems, but we can do something about it. And you know, it's that it's that case of the clash's optimism and hopefulness, and let's do something about it. As the general kind of idea I get with idols kind of, you know, content with, with Sleaford Mods, and I love Sleaford Mods, man, I really do, but uh, yeah. again, it's that kind of like 
Well, you just you just heard my impression there. A lot of swearing and kind of like, well, I'm pissed off, you know, rah, rah, rah. like, yeah, fucking, I'm pissed off as well. But <laughs> you know, if Jason Williams thinks that's a working class mentality, then maybe Jason Williams needs to take a look in the mirror and realize not every working class person is that pissed off. And no one wants to be that fucking miserable all the time. People like get up in the morning, work a really shit job for like eight hours minimum pay, but for them, they they love it, you know. And oh, you know, salt of the earth kind of people, which I think is a fucking derogatory term, salt of the earth people. You know, it's just one step away from like you know, poor people, lower class people. Yeah, that whole thing of like, look at them, they've got nothing yet they seem to put a smile on their face. That's not something to be like admired. That's something that. Although it's great that these people can find the small pleasures in life, it's not a great thing. It's a shit situation yeah. they're in. Of course they're going to find some positivity in it because what else are you going to do? Just be a miserable bastard and just complain and moan and be angry and depressed about the fact that you're in this shit position? Of course not. You're definitely um, not. But if, if the query is about idols, if the problem is that are they co-opting these things in order to propel themselves further if they're using their sense of um you know social awareness as a gimmick then that's a different story altogether well, you well know? what do you what do you what, personally think because in all honesty well, I, I don't think they are i think there are many artists that are doing it at the moment but i don't really feel that they are the artists that are doing it i don't think i I'd... think just because you're middle class it doesn't mean you've never been broke yeah of course of course not. Like I'm, Simple I'm not, that, I'm not lower know? class. I'm not, I'm not completely working class. Like, yeah, I would still consider myself in New Zealand middle class, like yeah. things like that. But I've had to work my ass off for everything. I've never been handed everything to me on a platter, and I certainly know my parents had to work their bloody asses off to get to uh, where I am. But then but, that's us, mate. We're millennials, you know. We, we we grew up and told if we work hard. If I went to university and got a degree, I'd have a career. And mm. I did have a career, but it's not worked out that way for a lot of oh, people. Oh, no. The, the co-opting thing, sorry, um, that I was getting to was that um, there was a story not too long ago about the lead singer of a Leeds band called Hookworms, um, who continuously on Twitter would call people out uh, about, you know, uh, gender inequality, you know, believe victims and everything like that all of these really kind of you know strong you know socially aware positive you know affirmative uh things that you know and people loved the fact that hey you know the, the lead singer would turn around and say you know call out bands you know like for being misogynistic or for not having any kind of uh you know just just everything you know how it Twitter gets sometimes, you know. Mm. Then it turns out that he was accused of, um, well, he was accused of a couple of things. You, you, people can look it up on Google, you know, by all means. I don't want to get into that because yeah. that's a completely other story. But then it ties in with the whole Ryan Adams thing about abusing your position of power. He got accused of being untowards with an ex, being physical, abusive. Uh, Funny he, you mention it, yeah. He allegedly, you know, allegedly, according mm. to her, um, admitted it. Uh, there were other girls that kind of came out and said, yeah, he was abusive. He then came out and publicly stated that um, I, I've got to work on some things. Oh, but by the way, I, uh, 
uh, you got to remember that I, I may have said things just to ease the kind of counseling this girl was going through, which is fucked up that he's bringing her counseling into the equation. Yeah, that's... I may have been strong-armed into admitting kind of abuse, but in actual fact, you know, I've learned that that was more harm. And quite rightfully, he got called out by saying, yeah, but dude, you know, believe victims. And I think yeah. I almost oh, felt like yeah. Hookworms kind of, he definitely kind of maybe used it in order to... Propel his band in a sense. Absolutely, like, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Which, is, which is maybe harsh and I might be wrong, but it felt that way because how can someone that same believe victims turn and say, believe victims, but don't believe that person because it is going to basically affect me you that's know? the thing that kind of concerns me at the moment and this is not to um disrepute any artists or anyone for that matter who does um obviously um call out the sort of um i guess vitriolic and pretty disgusting culture that can be a part of the music industry among many other industries uh the thing that does concern me quite a lot is the fact that there are these individuals who are using this as a facade to obviously um, hide the fact that they've got previous indiscretions. I feel like there definitely are individuals who are probably using this as a way of um, hiding what they've previously done. But the more dangerous thing, like you just said, is, fuck, why would you use this as a way to popularise your band? That is just disgusting. I, I think that's almost as disgusting as the well, supposed fucking, things you're calling out. Yeah, well, why do people, I mean, you know, music aside, why do people call other people out these days, you know? Whatever happened to, like, pulling someone to one side and saying... Hey, look, man, what you said here, that's not cool. I've had it happen to me recently, you know. I'm not going to go into it, but I, I got called out because I made uh, maybe a, a tone-deaf comment about Kurt Cobain's suicide, and someone turned around and said, disappointing, you know, like you come across as very entitled. And at the same time, it's like, well, you know, I apologize. It was a tone-deaf comment, but could you not have maybe messaged me on Facebook uh, you know, like privately go and gone, Hey, look, dude, that that's a bit out of order. Don't you think, you know, but instead it's done in a public forum to score points, to look good. I, 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 I honestly don't know anymore. There was a time when if someone took offense or exception to something, you'd pull on the one side and have that chat, but that's just yeah. not happening anymore. Man, we, we've gone We've verged a little bit off tangent. I'll try and reel it back in. No, but um, I, I totally get what you mean, though. It's yeah. it's one it's one of those things that I feel like, yeah, now it is becoming a very, I want I don't want to say um, popular as in like it's in the mode, like it's fashionable, but I do feel people aren't really um, thinking about, I guess, the possible repercussions for uh, individuals that these sorts of claims can make, and also. Uh, just leading back to obviously what we we're discussing before about this, um, it was a Leeds band you were talking about, wasn't it? That was yeah, making these sorts a, of comments. A, yeah, you can if you go on Google. I mean, it was in November. Look up uh, Hookworms MJ if if you really want to read into it. You know, I think I don't know if the Twitter if his Twitter's been deleted. Um, it's not that I don't care. It's just the fact that that that's a not a done issue, but it's an yeah. issue now that's away from the oh, public completely. forums. So yeah, whatever he whatever he needs to sort out, I really fucking hope that he sorts that out, you know. And uh, but maybe he might be a bit wary uh, for publicly calling people out. I um, think he's got a taste of his own medicine, which I'm kind of glad about because I'm sure there was probably incidents where he was probably calling out people who didn't necessarily need him calling out. They just needed no. someone to tell them, like. 
you've made either inappropriate comments or you've done something. Like, obviously, this is not to say that people shouldn't be calling out people who totally deserve it. Like, there are obviously incidents where this is appropriate. Where, like Ryan yeah, Adams, for Yeah, example, Ryan Adams or other things that are disgustingly horrible. But if someone just makes an off comment, I think you're better off just pulling them aside and telling them they're a prick and uh, telling them to sort themselves out. Yeah. And, I like, mean, the, difference, the difference, though, is that the Ryan Adams thing was, it was a deep dive by the New York Times. It oh, was yeah. someone incredibly reputable. It's not someone on Twitter that, you know, uh, had a cursory yeah. glance at what something means and then decided... <gasps> All right, I'm going to call call them out. You know, it's it's the same way that I don't like. I'm not a huge fan of people that were like, I I hate George Bush. Why? Because I listen to Green Day. <laughs> and Green Day, you know, let's let's yeah. bring it back to the topic. Green yes. Day were entitled to talk about politics. Rage Against the Machine were more than you know entitled to talk about what they felt was the systemic problems that happened within the United States in the 90s because, you know, it, it's a means, a way of getting that message out. And I think yeah. with idols, you know, if Jason wants to call it class appropriation, then that's fine. But, I, you know, if it is class appropriation, it, it's doing some good because, again, you just go on a Facebook, you go onto and you search for all is love idols af you look at the amount of positivity that that band bring to people you know that it's kind of what is worse a class a form of a well a form of class appropriation you know god that sounds so white doesn't it (laughs) class appropriation you know a form of class appropriation a form of co-opting the struggles of someone in order to relate and maybe inspire that person to get out of whatever quagmire they may be in, or just, you know, singing about bullshit, like your sex is on fire or some, you know, Kings of Leon crap, you know? Um, and again, I don't mention the fat white family because fuck them. Uh, you, you know, no, we don't need anyone telling us to be nice to immigrants. You should just be nice to people full stop, you know? Yes, fully. Um, I reckon if, just speaking speaking from an industry standpoint for a minute. <laughs> oh, here we go. Someone was clever, you know. Get yeah. those publicists involved, man, and like turn this into the next Blur Oasis feud, like you oh, said, you know. Fuck yeah. It's kind of like, um, I think, to be honest now, this has become the worst, I guess, uh, promotional tool possible because everyone seems to be doing it. It's a new in thing, and I've, I've actually got started to get to the stage now that I am so tired of it, I just wish people would stop doing it. Have you not noticed that almost every film star, every musician, everyone who is notable in the creative industries has to have their news article which talks about Donald Trump, problematic, fuck Trump. It's like, dude, we all get it. Donald Trump's a fucking prick. He's an arsehole. We don't need to hear the the umpteenth take on how Donald Trump's presidency is problematic for the US. Everyone knows it is. We don't care what... I'm, I'm sorry because um, I don't know why I'm using her. As, actually, no, I know who I'll use. Um, for example, like Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt talks about how he hates Donald Trump or uh, such and such. I think my favourite one, though, uh, to date has to be, uh, I think, Bruce Willis or something of that same ilk. Or Okay. I think it was Bruce Willis. Also. Who, no, who was a really terrible one? There was one really terrible actor who was like, well, not terrible actor, but an actor who... <laughs> I was like, going to say. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis is a yeah, fantastic Willis actor. Of- Fantastic. Die hard, mate. Die hard, mate. Classic. Die hard. Classic. Hudson oh, Hawk. Fuck, it's going to really piss me off. Oh, 
fantastic actor as well. But Robert De Niro, who is like an absolutely like he is the biggest Republican ever. And after putting support behind Donald Trump, was like, no, nah, actually, after a wee while, I've realized uh, Donald Trump, he's an idiot. He's an absolute idiot. It's like we already knew that De Niro. We knew that, mate. You don't have to confirm that for us. And it's one of the stupidest things ever. Like, I, oh, I'm sorry. I've totally gone off a tangent, but that is one of the things that frustrates me at the moment. People monetizing, hating on Donald Trump. Dude, we all know it. Stop fucking going on about it. It's done. Um, I, I mean, but that's just, um, that's just a cycler, isn't it? I mean, like, at the end of the day, you know, time is just a flat round surface. Um, <laughs> I'm just if an angry man, if it, Benji. If it wasn't people complaining about George W. Bush, it was people complaining about George H.W. Bush. It was people complaining about Reagan. Um, Obama, for some weird reason. But yeah, fair play. Um, Clinton, Hillary. Yeah, Clinton. Oh, um, yeah, that was a good one for a while. Tell you what, on a side, man. If Bernie meant- Sanders? Oh, Bernie Sanders. Come Bernie's on. Can we- back. Bernie, Bernie is, is back, back. man. Right, if you, if you get a chance, and I, I would say this to all the listeners as well, uh, and yourself, Jamie, Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 11.9 is a great movie um, because it just basically tears apart the uh, US political system full stop. Oh, yeah. He just savages both Republicans um, and Democrats. But uh, it's fish in a barrel, isn't it? It's easy to slate up, you know, Donald Trump. And, and I get where you're coming from, you know. Uh, I think we're going to get to that point where it's like Brexit almost. It's a oh, sense of yeah. It's like, we know Brexit is a bad idea. Just hurry up, hurry up, and just yes. sort out fucking, you know, whatever needs to be done needs to be done. And um, sorry, I'm totally going to go off topic, but just going back to Bernie Sanders and totally weird connection and correlation to make uh, because obviously uh, Run the Jewels have associated themselves closely, Killer Mike in particular, with Bernie Sanders. Have you watched Trigger Warning? Because I think that is honestly one of the best TV shows I've seen in a long time. And if you ever sorry, get the chance... Def- tell me to check that out. Am I, am I like the upteenth person that's told you? You're, I wouldn't say umpteenth. It's not gotten to the point where it's like when everyone told me to listen to Silent Alarm by Block Party and I didn't <laughs> want to do it. Kind of like that with idols. If oh, I'm dude, no, believe me. It's so good. I'm going to check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, but ultimately, idols, I'm just one guy. I'm just a drop in the ocean. You keep on doing what you're doing. Don't get bogged down with the just you know with what Jason Williams has to say. Jason, yeah. you just keep doing what you're doing, dude. Like fucking Grantham is an awful fucking place <laughs> from back the back in the mid nineties, you know. I don't know if it's gotten better or not because I haven't I haven't been back there. I see no interest why I'd go, you know, take a look around there as well. And there you go, that's probably the most snobby kind of comment that I'm gonna make today. But I honestly think that yeah, I guess Jason has a point because of where he's coming from, his background, his experiences. But at the same time, I think that idols are more entitled to talk about these kind of things because perhaps they have their own experiences. And uh, fat white family, eh. <laughs> Is this where we deviate to talking about the Oscars? Because I think we, we both wrapped that up quite nicely, I think, Benji. Well, I, I think we did wrap that up quite nicely, you know. <laughs> Um, and I'm waiting to be doxxed by fat white family members as well. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, oh, they can't do it if I say that they're going to do it. It's like saying, oh, you know, the moon landing was a hoax, Jamie. But if I die, if someone shoots me, I've been killed because I've informed you that the moon landing was a hoax, man. Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick. 
And moving on to the Oscars. Um, <laughs> our Oscar sweepstakes post is online. At this point of recording, three of us have made our picks. Uh, the winner just gets that sense of you know self-worth and just to be smug until we do another sweepstakes. I'm going to be um, such an arrogant prick about it if I end up winning anything. Uh, we haven't gone through everything. Um, we're keeping topical because, hey, no one cares about how the films are being made. They just care about who's in them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, yes. Yes. Uh, we've, we're going through best picture, best director, best actress, best actor, best supporting actress, best supporting actor, best animated film, and a wild card selection, which is something that's going to happen. Um, there's been some absolute blinding picks. You seem to th- well, think that Vice is going to win it. Strong call. I still think Rome is going to win it. Just uh, complete Netflix's kind of all-consuming media conglomerate that they're they're on the go. Wouldn't this make uh, it the first foreign film to win Best Picture? Am, am I mistaken in, no, in no, thinking no. this? Uh, there was um there was another one. Was it called the Ro- uh the Road? I need to look up that up now because there's a whole bunch of controversy where people saying. Oh, you know, a foreign film winning it. That's disgusting. That shit. Oh, I can't believe that. Yeah, uh, what the hell, man? Was, like, oh, uh, Rose, was it? It may have been, yeah. But this no, whole this whole concept that people have, stuff. I just don't understand why people think that foreign films aren't deserving of winning Best Picture. If it's a good picture, why shouldn't it? And, um, yeah, you're definitely right. I've, <laughs> this whole uh, changing of... Uh, the process of categories in the Oscars is outright fucking stupid. It's almost as stupid as the whole idea. And I, you might be able to like correct me on this, but wasn't there talk of the fact that the only reason why there is a best animated film category is because too many people were getting annoyed at the fact that animated films were taking out best picture? Um, If I remember correctly, it was the case where people were upset that animated film... Was not being viewed. I mean, what was the last animated film that got an Oscar? Was it Little Mermaid? I think Little Mermaid was the. I think it might have been. What set the trend in terms of animated films being up there? It was The Artist, by the way, 2011 black and white film that had no dialogue by French filmmakers. Um, It had the actor in there that played the the money launderer from Switzerland name escapes me, but we're not talking about him right now. No, the uh, animated film, the animated film category was because it was in response to kind of people being upset that animated films, not traditional filmmaking, you know, and, and it's always been overlooked, you know, was the other argument about it. There's been a history of animated films that have ended up, you know, earning, uh, a Best Picture nomination. Uh, for example, I believe Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was an, was an Oscar-nominated film. Okay. In my mind, Persepolis should have been uh, in the Best Film or at least Best Foreign Film rather than relegated into um, Best Animated Film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's the same way when they were thinking about setting up a category for best popular film, which then everyone realized, well, that's just going to go to a Marvel movie or something oh, like that. Completely. Yeah. Which I'm and glad. They, yeah. Yeah. They, tro- they dropped that. Didn't they? Um, I am more upset that Bradley Cooper didn't get a best director's nod. I didn't expect him to win, but I would have thought, I mean, if you watch the star is born, 
Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I haven't actually managed to watch it. I've heard it's absolutely fantastic, and I know this is very uh, behind of me to have not even seen it, but uh, I already love Lady Gaga's acting. I've heard Bradley Cooper is fantastic in his, as well, and I've heard the writing is phenomenal. Uh, the main God, reason I... Oh, the cinematography, sorry, Jamie. Oh, yeah, is, exactly. Is incredible. And the thing that annoys me is I wish someone didn't ruin the film for me because that is the only reason I didn't go to see it because I've heard it is absolutely stunning. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And yet, and you know, again, I didn't expect them to win a Best Director on his first attempt. But is that the Academy once again, perhaps, being a bit kind of weird where... um. Oh, you know, he did R-rated movies and raunchy comedies and stuff like that, you know. But then he mm. worked with David O. Russell. So if he was taking notes from David O. Russell in terms of direction, uh, which I reckon he would as well, because he did Silver Linings Playbook and he also did yeah. American Hustle, which are both very, very good movies, you know. Um, I think it was just a complete snub that he didn't get that, that nod. And I honestly hope that he's not going to get Best Actor. Because me and you, on the count of three, we know who's going to win Best Actor. One, two, three, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's, it's just a given because of the fact that, like, I feel like he's put himself through the ringer so many times, he deserves a win. And I know that sounds weird to say someone deserves a win because I've been nominated so many times, but Christian Bale has got to that level now that I feel it's almost uh, offensive that he hasn't won uh, Best Actor yet. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I know it's a bit of sh- like a shitty choice in that sense, but I think Bauer was going to take it out this year easily. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then a couple of other things, like for example, Maeve's decided that for a wild card, uh, you know, and these are bonus points, by the way. Her uh, wild card selection is going to be Richard E. Grant is going to be super stoked and get lots of selfies with everyone. <laughs> and again, you know. Let's, you know, bring the whole podcast full circle because we're talking about we're both on the same wavelength about things, about the idols topic. Let's end with the fact that we both have made references to Billy Crystal in the article. (laughs) Bring him back. Bring back the Billy. Bring back Billy. Bernie's back. Now bring back Billy. Yes. Put that on a T-shirt. Drop ship. What? Boom. Um, And that pretty much should conclude... uh, Season 2, Episode 2 of the Icky Procast. Now, just to give you the plugs once again, if you've got any kind of comment or do want to destroy us on a social platform and call us out, um, at Pro is our Twitter handle, Pro is our Instagram handle, hate mail or fan mail once again. Uh, hello at net or just go to net. Whole host of articles, whole host more. Jamie, as always, it's been a pleasure. Maybe you can c- come up with a run sheet next week and hopefully we can talk about something a bit more pleasant, but stimulating <laughs> conversation nonetheless. Yeah, it has definitely been a pleasure, mate, as per usual. All right, so take care, everyone, and we will speak to you all or you'll hear our voices next week. Kakite.